have roughly an hour for this masterclass on business tools for holistic practitioners for how to run a sustainable business. This is intended for either people who are freelancers, people who are running their own business, who are considering becoming freelancers, or who simply want to understand what options are out there. One of the reasons why is because the fastest way to earn money is to sell services. And most of us have something valuable that we can sell. Before I jump into, into this, and the, so I'm going to run you through some of the tools we will be covering during the workshop. So it's two half-day workshops, two times three hours. One is Wednesday evening, and another one is Saturday morning. Uh, I'll explain to you some of the stuff we, we will be covering. But before we jump into this, I'd like to explain to you part of the motivation behind this. Since you're here, you know Just Be. Since you're here, you probably know a number of people who are working in the, let's say, holistic, holistic health industry, whether they are yoga teachers, therapists, acupuncturists, whatever it might be. And you know that there's a lot of talk about abundance. And at the same time, there's a lot of scarcity in the mentality and the mindset. We see so many people who want to become yoga teachers. And they do training, they invest, and then they struggle. And it's difficult. And with centers, we know how much we pay. Usually with the centers, it's not particularly cheap. We can usually figure out roughly how much the, the, the staff are paid, if the staff, or how much people get with commissions. When we know people who work as yoga teachers uh, or therapists, we know that mostly they're not really abundant. And it's, it's a weird situation. Why is it that people who talk about abundance and happiness and not being materialistic and so on, why is it that it feels like things aren't really working out there in the way they're, they're, they should be? Uh, part of it is because there's a big dichotomy where people have a tendency, we all have a tendency of thinking in a very binary way. There's re reluctance to talk about money, to think about money, to make profit. For many people, profit is a dirty word. There's reluctance to ask for money. And there's a feeling and this is especially the case when, it, when we do something that we enjoy doing, whether it's being a yoga teacher or a um, holistic healthcare practitioner, to some extent psychologist, but that's a bit different because there's more academic training. So it's easier to view that as, as a, a profession and a career and something we invest in. But it's also the case if somebody's a musician, as a photographer, is it feels weird to ask for money to do something that we love because we enjoy it. So why, why would we do that? I'm actually reading a book now about, um, I've got the name, but uh, the, the, the lack of logic, where there's the, the author takes the example of if your mother-in-law invites you to dinner and after the dinner you offer to pay her for the dinner, it's going to be insulting. And there's a, there are a few reasons for that. One of them is we're used to having some kind of social contract where the social goodwill that goes into it. So I invite you, you invite me, because there's a social contract that goes into it, talking about money suddenly makes a business transaction. So when we invite friends for dinner, it's just a pleasure to offer something for them as a token of goodwill and friendship. If money comes into it, it starts becoming a business transaction. And we don't want to start mixing the two. Um, wow, someone's driving in a crazy way out there. Uh, another, another example is when it comes to courting or being intimate or starting a relationship, even though there's some cost involved to go out, to go on dates, and it sort of is given that there is a cost, to mention the cost destroys the romance. Uh, and I think Woody Allen was making a joke that the most expensive level of intimacy is the one that is free because all of the costs that go with it. Anyway, that's, uh, I read about that last night. I thought it was amusing. Uh, so, yeah, if we, if we enjoy what we're doing, it feels weird to ask money for it. The issue there is that if we don't, if we're not able to earn a living sustainably, 
then at one point we'll have to find another job or we won't be able to do it. So it comes, you know, that beckons the question, for example, with my music, I enjoy playing music. It's fun. For me, it's good enough to do it in my spare time and then distribute it if people like it, share it. And if people like it, it's great. And if they don't get to listen to it, I don't really think it makes a big change in their life. Um, at least not yet. Not, I don't have the hubris of thinking my, my music is life-changing. When it comes to, to work in general, so something that's more than a nice-to-have, such as music, and I love music, but to me it's still it's, it's a nice-to-have when it comes to work, I'd argue that if it can change somebody's life for the, for, for the best, this is what I see when I do, when I do Cosmo Energy, when I work with people, it's what I see with some, some yoga teachers. Uh, I believe yoga can make a huge, huge impact in somebody's life. If somebody is not getting this service, then I'm depriving them of a better life. And this is why mismanaging one's, let's say, work, the, the work side of the life, I'm reluctant to use the word career, let's say work, mismanaging work as a freelancer, as a business owner, is really selfish. We're stressed with money. There's often resentment towards money and reluctance to earn money. And we're depriving people who need our help of our help. There can be a reluctance to ask what seems like a lot of money. But on the one hand, if we're not able to run a sustainable business, then we're not able to run a business. So the question is, if we're not earning enough, is it because we don't have enough clients? Maybe. We're not charging enough. And if we're not charging enough, it's either that we're not providing enough value to charge more, or we are too cheap, or we're not servicing enough people. This is, figuring this bit out is not rocket science. This is a business model that's simply figuring out how do I make sure I can earn enough in a way that seems plausible, that I feel comfortable with? Um, how do I do it? What I mean also by, by value is, let me think of how to put it, let's do it the following way. If you're doing something, I'll, I'll take the example of a, a yoga teacher trainer that I worked with. He was reluctant to charge more than a certain price for his yoga teacher training. I think he was charging about three and a half thousand dollars. That would be roughly 10,000 dirham, uh, three and a half thousand dollars. And he was reluctant to charge more. And I asked how he, how he set the price. So he calculated it and he said, well, I looked at what my competition was doing. I see the cheapest ones are about 2000, 2005. The most expensive ones are 5,000. So I feel like I should be in the top 20% and top 10%. I don't see myself going any going above that because it seems like a lot of money. So I asked him, imagine you devised a package and you charged $100,000 for that. So he just looked at me and said, you're totally nuts. It's like, I don't care. I don't care if I'm nuts. Just work it out. Figure out what you could charge $100,000 for and you'd be comfortable charging that amount. So he thought about it and he said, um, I could do it if instead of teaching 12 people, I taught one person, so one-on-one -on -one teaching for three weeks in a super high-end luxury resort with massage every day, scuba diving every day, and all of the fine dining and, and all of that. And then he ran the numbers and he said, you know what, 100,000, I'd be losing money. I don't, think, I don't think it's enough. I should be charging more than 100,000 for it. So, and he said, you know, no, nobody's doing this. So, I said, well, well, why not advertise it? I don't think he did. But all of a sudden, because he was willing to say, he actually feels comfortable talking about $100,000. Uh, and then I think he had some, some extra calls as being follow-up calls to make sure. Because he was able to feel comfortable doing that, all of a sudden, the $3,000, $4,000 didn't seem like that much money anymore. So it's about devising different business plans. Uh, and business models, seeing what we can offer and does it have value. Now, what I, what I see time and time again 
is people who are frustrated with their existing income and they're not certain what to do about it and they're really worried that if things don't change the future won't be bright and because they're uncertain what to do about it they hope that something will change and so far the hope hasn't really been validated it hasn't really worked out and especially now with 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 covid uh like i spoke about with with nabila when we were doing the um, the pod, uh, the the interview of what the hell is going on is we don't know what's going on there might be one of the largest recessions ever where people have no money they're losing their jobs there's no money to invest and people are super reluctant to invest in themselves especially for what they view as being a luxury so now is is really the time to figure out if you're running a business to what extent is it sustainable to what extent do you feel confident navigating uncertainty while you're relying on hope and if you're relying on hope how has that worked out for you so far chances are if you're frustrated with where you're at it hasn't been working out great and even companies and businesses that were doing okay are finding it generally challenging because business that was taken for granted is no longer really taken for granted because so many things change people review the budgets they lose their jobs there they they want to cut costs in various places and ironically they're cutting costs quite often in the places that would help them be better prepared to deal with the stress and deal with the uncertainty uh then in whatever it is that helps them numb themselves so the dopamine creators be it netflix alcohol shopping whatever that might be it's much easier to try to 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 remove the pain than to face the pain so it's a time of it's a time of high uncertainty there's frustration there's uncertainty and then there's 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 worry and so what do we do and oh yeah then also for people who are employed there's a worry there's a risk that we lose our jobs if you lose your job what do you do you look for another job in an economic downturn it might work out and jobs have a lot of advantages if you have one and then for people who are freelancing why are you freelancing for people who are thinking of freelancing or starting their own business why what's the point what is the main motivator time and time again i get people who say as something i understand cuz i went i've been through it myself the people who say i was fed up with the corporate world i want to do something different and when they come to me i go okay well that's about you what about your clients go oh well but maybe somebody needs something that's not good enough if it's about you not wanting an office job i get it but how is that beneficial for any of your clients this is where we get to really the crux of what business is about and it's totally understandable um and business a bit like selling has got a bad name many people projecting things onto it business is simply figuring out if there's something that we can deliver that improves people's lives to a point where they're willing to pay for it or generate some form of revenue and we can make it sustainable where there's enough value given to people that we can actually run a business without losing money um yeah so that's that's pretty much all it is and selling is simply so we often think selling is trying to make someone buy selling is not trying to make someone buy trying to make someone buy is manipulation it's like trying to make someone marry you is like that's if if the person doesn't want to marry you and you make them marry you that probably is not a good recipe for a happy marriage it probably isn't going to work out uh and it's it's deceitful dishonest it involves involves lying and that's why we don't like the so-called sales people because they're deceitful they're dishonest they're pushy they lie we don't like those people but that's not selling that's being dishonest it's being really it's it's really is bad karma it's being dishonest not helping people selling is really about figuring out what i do can it be helpful for you i mean in this case if you're any of these people so a freelancer running a business you're thinking of starting a business or you're employed and you want to know how you can figure out if you have a backup plan to generate some cash flow or if you want to actually earn some money on the side if you could be following this workshop and what you learn from the workshop would be beneficial and you don't follow it then i have done you a disservice 
because I haven't communicated the value well enough and your life will be less good than if you sign up for it. The tricky thing here is usually when I, when I sell, I have one-on-one -on -one conversations with people to ask about the objections, to check if it's valuable, and sometimes it's really not valuable. I mean, it happens to me that people say, you know, could you coach me for my business? And, and we, we talk about it, but I say, listen, your, your thing is, it's a hobby. Just, you want to be a yoga teacher? Keep your job, be a yoga teacher on weekends, and enjoy it. You know, take an evening off and, and be a yoga teacher or work a little bit less. Do it for the fun. But getting paid pittance is not a way. And just run the business model. When they run the model, they go, actually, there's no way I can earn enough money to sustain my living. So why do it? Because you dislike your job? Then you, in that case, work on enjoying your job more and use the yoga thing for fun. But if something is your exit strategy because you dislike the situation, that's not an ideal strategy to move forward. So it's about, first of all, understanding, you know, what is the motivation? Why do you want to do it? And it shouldn't be about you, it should be about people. The people that you're helping. When it comes to, to, to me working with Cosmo Energy, I saw to what extent it helped me. I asked my teachers if they'd be willing to work with, with Westerners and Europeans and people in the, in the Middle East. They've actually come to the Middle East, uh, by the way, and I always recommend, like, go and see them. We love different ways of working. They're, they're wonderful, wonderful people. But in Europe and, uh, and North America, they said, no, we're not interested. They, you guys are weird. You're too full of problems. But if you want them to have help, we'll teach you. You go and help them. And that's how I got into to Cosmo Energy Healing. Uh, it was really wanting my friends and uh, acquaintances and relatives to have access to this. And my teachers refusing, saying, you do it. No, we're, we're busy. We're busy in Russia and Kazakhstan. It's really about helping people. And we can make it about people then it's no longer that much about us. That's one of the secrets to, to selling. We hate, hate, hate rejection. Rejection is one of the two, um, how do I put it, one of the two causes of fear. Fear is here to keep us alive, like all the emotions. Uh, yeah, pretty much all the emotions. We're afraid of two things, physical threat, social rejection. Why? Because emotions help keep us alive throughout history when we're living in caves. If the group rejected us socially, you know, we were cave people, we'd be out on our own facing snakes and crocodiles and saber-toothed tigers, and we'd be dead. We'd be dead, our DNA would, would end with us, and that would be it. So we're terrified of social rejection. When it comes to sales, we, the brain doesn't see the difference between rejection of a client and rejection of ourselves getting kicked out of the cave, which means death. Of course, we're not going to die if somebody doesn't buy from us. And if somebody doesn't buy something they don't need, like if someone comes to me and says, listen, I've got a toothache, can you help me? I'll say, well, possibly I can help you a little bit, but seriously, go and see a dentist. Like, I'm not the wrong person for this. Or if, if someone wants, somebody wants a course on how to explode your social media, like do really well on social media, I'll say, well, don't come to me. I don't believe it's going to work. I'll tell you why I don't believe it's going to work. And, uh, and I get into this a bit later. I don't believe it's going to work, but I'm not going to teach you that. I don't. I think it would be a misuse of your money to allow you to do uh, a course on how to how to explode on social media because that's not the way I view it. I might be wrong, but don't come to me for it. So back to to to, to the rejection side. We hate rejection when it comes to selling, and when we're a freelancer or a business owner. It's very, very difficult for us to differentiate between ourself as a person and the product or service we are selling. If I'm selling you a pen, I talk about the advantages and disadvantages. And if what you really need is a pencil, I'll tell you, well, if you want to erase it, don't buy this. It's the wrong thing for you. I've got no problem. The rejection is not personal. If the product is my services as a Cosmo Energy Healer, and I'm not trained, there's a high risk that I want you to buy from me. And if it's not the right thing for you, there's a risk. I mean, then there's a risk. If it's not the right thing for you, I don't want you to buy from me. So I've already got the switch of mindset. But if I'm eager for you to buy, and if I'm not the one deciding if my services are relevant, then if you reject them, I feel rejected. And then I don't feel great. This, this brings back to 
one of the, the, the elements that I'll be covering in the four workshops, which is delegating responsibility. Whether it's responsibility of our business, that's this one, responsibility of our sanity, that's the one about toxic people and narcissists, uh, the responsibility of our, um, how we manage our resources and life, and that's the one about managing time, money, and energy. Uh, and then the responsibility for our actions. That's the last one about navigating our life. There's a bit of an overlap with the, the, the toxic one. If we navigate the life, we take care of the rest. But this is more the psychological model. I'll go more into depth than that. As long as we're delegating the responsibility, it's convenient for us, but there's a price to pay. When we, when we well, look at this way. When you go to a dentist, you don't want to go into the dentist and have the dentist say, okay, what would you like? You go, I've got a toothache. And he says, which tooth would you like me to work on? What would you want me to do? You're like, I don't care. You're the specialist. I'm paying you as a specialist. Figure it out. I don't know. I'm not a dentist. When we sell services, so unless, we, unless we've got that mindset, and if we identify with the services, we have a tendency of going, you are a client. You have something I need, which is money. I think that, or if you buy from me, I feel good. I want to feel good and I want to feel liked. I don't know how you are going to decide if it's relevant. So I am going to delegate the responsibility to deciding to you. And because I don't know how you're going to decide, I'm going to throw everything at you and hope that something sticks. And then let's, let's see if it works. The one, of the one of the issues in life is that it works more often than never, but it doesn't work a lot. If it never worked, it'd be easy. Then it'd be just like a really dumb behavior that we don't do anymore. But because it works sometimes, we get addicted to it. And because we don't have a better model to understand how people decide what they decide, or to talk about it, or to challenge it, we get addicted to the biggest drug, uh, the, the most addictive drug that we have, which is hope. We hope it's going to work. The result of this workshop that I'd like you to walk away with, I want you to have no hope, no hope about how you can improve your business as a freelancer, as a business owner, and no hope that if you lose your job, things might magically work out. Instead, I want you to feel that you are fully empowered to make decisions to make projections, to figure out if it's plausible, sustainable, and to know what to do so that instead of hoping, you feel confident, you feel empowered, you feel in control, that you yourself can filter all of the nonsense that you hear from people. And you can think, you can bring it back and go, does it make sense to me? Yes, no, I'll make decisions. I might make mistakes. I'll learn from it. I'll have conversations with prospects, I'll have conversations with clients, with friends, I feel comfortable leading these conversations, and that if there's anything that you can do that makes people's lives better, that you're doing it. And here we get something quite important. 2020 has been a really bizarre year in so many ways. There's so much fear. There's so much uh, uncertainty, there's fear, there's anger, there's resentment. The human race is not doing particularly well. We could say, you know, the, 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 the shadow is becoming more apparent and the tension is boiling to the surface. It's also being exacerbated by all of the various, um, all of the various conspiracy theories, whatever they might be. We've also realized people have got no understanding of statistics. We, don't, we can't read it. Uh, we don't understand, uh, well, we can't read statistics. That's, that's been unbelievably clear with, with so much of what's going on. We don't understand logarithmic growth. And, and instead of it being specialists who sort of understand it, now everyone's got a voice and everyone's shouting about all of these things and just making more and more people upset. The good side is more people realize they don't understand it and they're actually learning their own limitations. That being said, my point here is that we need more people helping people. 
We need more people out there changing people's lives. And I say we, humanity. We need more people healing others, healing themselves, being less angry, less tense, more accepting. Uh, we need more people who are willing to walk away from crap jobs, create new jobs, create companies, employ people with decent, good working conditions, empowering others so that we as a community, as a collective, can have a better life. And by better life, it's not more pleasant, more cozy. It is a more meaningful life. And one of the ways to have a more meaningful life is simply to think, how can I contribute something of value to humanity? And whether that's through healing or dancing, which probably is going to be dancing classes more than dancing getting paid for it, or it's helping people do something meaningful and valuable. If there's something that people can be doing instead of having a corporate job and they're not doing it, and they could be doing it sustainably, that's a shame. That's a real shame. So here, what I want people to do is figure out, is there something I could be doing? If so, what is it? How do I do it? And get all of the tools so they can actually create, so you can actually create uh, a projection and make informed decisions, have some idea how to manage it and how to find clients and how to generate cash flow. With no cash flow, it's just a nice idea. It starts with that. Oh, and here's a secret where we'll get into it some more. If your revenue and your cash flow is dependent on your logo, there's something you don't understand. It, it is not the case. It really isn't. We don't build businesses around logos and fonts. The thing is, with, with these things, if they're below a certain level, we might lose business. Like if I'm, if I'm selling pens and my logo is a hippopotamus for whatever reason, actually not forget about hippopotamus. If I'm selling pens and my logo is a car, people might get confused and think I'm selling cars. So that's not a great idea. But if I have a logo or no logo, as in, as in my case, it's just my name. If I'm losing any business because I don't have a logo, that's probably people I shouldn't be working with in the first place. One of the issues we get when we run a business is we don't know where to start. We don't know how to sell. We don't know where to find clients. And we feel like, this comes up all the time, I have to do something or something must be done. And changing my logo is something, therefore I must do it. We get this all the time. It's just a way to be busy. We think if I'm busy, then no one can blame me for not achieving something. But the issue with this is that this is the employee mindset. And the employee mindset is a real problem because working in a company, a large company, it's feasible. You get hired for something, they lie to you, you try to do it, they are being deceptive, but roughly, whether you do the job or not, you pretty much get paid and mostly you don't get fired. And it's not really your problem. You don't care about generating the cash flow. But the issue when you're a business owner is that you've got multiple roles. You're the CEO of the company who has to oversee the strategy, because otherwise you don't know where you're going. And you take the decisions, your responsibility. You are the main shareholder of the company, probably. It's your money. So you want to make sure money is being well used. If your money is being poorly used, instead of putting it in a company, Buy bonds, invest it somewhere. Buy it in a company that's actually being managed properly. And this is one of the, the, the main questions is, when you see how you manage your company or your career, would you invest the time and money and energy into somebody else's company that's being managed that way? Would you be willing to work in those conditions? Probably not. So you're the CEO, you're the chief financial officer, and would you entrust a chief financial officer who manages a company the way that you manage your company and your career? Probably not. You're the head of operations, COO. You're the head of human resources. Would you accept a head of human resources who doesn't give you sick leave, doesn't give you holiday, sometimes can't tell you how much you're going to be earning? Because most freelancers, they own, their salary is whatever comes in. 
And they don't view it as being, I take a regular salary and I give myself a contract and I owe it to myself to treat myself with respect. They'll treat their employees with more respect than they will with themselves. That's an issue, especially if you live in, if you're, if you're working in the holistic services industry and you want to you talk about respect and all of that, disrespecting yourself is a very bad way to start. So head of human resources, head of sales, head of marketing, head of IT, something goes wrong with your computer, what do you do? You take care of it, buy a new computer, you know, and yeah, all, all, all of these, all of these roles. So the employee mindset is going in thinking, I'll do my job and things will take care of themselves. If I'm a good product, people should find me. But they don't realize that in most companies, you've got a whole sales department. Uh, well, wow, I saw a macro expression of, of disgust there on my, on my face. Um, you've got a sales department that is bringing in the money. And if you're not doing uh, the sales yourself, then how does the money come in? That's a real problem. That's a real problem. So when we start viewing the, uh, when we start viewing our activity as a company, it changes the mindset quite a bit. And at the end of the day, it's not rocket science. It's simply what I'm offering. Is it valuable to people? Can I find a way to earn money sustainably so that it works for people and works for myself? If so, do I need to, how do I find the right price, the right number of clients? One of the questions also is how many clients can I take at most? Uh, and then how do I, how do I find the people and how do I, how do I manage sustainably? How do I keep the balance? There we, there we go. Just pause the recording. Okay, I'm back. Just needed uh, something small to, small to drink. So, a few things that are really important for running a business or being a freelancer. Like I said, it's not rocket science. It's figuring out what am I selling, to whom, and then figuring out the model. In other words, what price and to how many people. And I have a tool that is really helpful. Oops, hello. Welcome back. So here we go. We uh, back recording. We just had a, a short connection issue. So uh, welcome back to everyone. You didn't see any any difference. Um, so yes, what I what I was saying is with the employee mindset, it's getting out of the employee mindset. It's realizing that business is pretty much it's just a few things. Is there something I can offer to people that is valuable to them? And here I have a tool to figure out all the things that we're offering. And then who should I offer it to? And if I offer it to them, is there a way, we can offer many things to different people, is there a way where with, with all the things I offer, there's a way for me to run a sustainable business? And a sustainable business is a business that pays for my own time and my effort and doesn't involve tremendous sacrifice compared to being employed in a way that works for me, or the sacrifice is something I can live with. We know, of course, that really high salaries in employment tend to be because it's jobs that nobody wants to do. It's not careers, it's jobs. Careers are things that we do because we love it, such as most people working in the, the holistic uh, no, health industry. Um, people tend to love it, or art, or so on. They do it because it's, because it's a lot of fun. But being an accountant can be rewarding. Most people wouldn't say that it's fun and they wouldn't do it in their spare time as a hobby in order to relax. That's a big difference. Same with, same with being a lawyer in corporate fields. When it comes to humanitarian law, people do it out of conviction and that's great. But if it's something that they wouldn't do, then salaries tend to be higher. Anyway, so running a business is figuring out, is there something where humanity would be better off if I did it? If so, what should I offer? To whom should I offer it? At what price should I offer it? And then how do I do it in a way where it's sustainable, it takes care of itself, it pays for itself. I don't feel like I'm losing out tremendously over alternatives. So I'm motivated to continue doing it and hopefully I can grow it and employ people, and make people's lives better. And that's the that's simply the the business model. Um yeah, then one of the really important things 
which probably is key, is understanding what selling is and how to lead a sales conversation. Uh, there's, there's too much detail for me to go in because I'll be explaining the psychological model behind it, uh, which is, which, I mean, it's just, when I heard it, it was fascinating, made a lot of sense. But it's about how to regain control and be the specialist who will sit down with the client or the prospect, who don't have their client, and say, let's figure out if this is right for you. And if it's not right for you, I will not sell to you. You have to be willing for me to not sell to you. Uh, and if it is right for you, then it's great. And if it's not right for you, and you believe it's not right for you, I'm going to ask you to tell me why. You might have really good reasons. Um, this is what I'd be doing if it was like a one-on-one -on -one, uh, situation. I'd be sitting down with you. We talk about what you need, where you're at, uh, what you're trying to do, if this is right, or if I should recommend a book, um, and you just go and read it. Of course, the advantage being that following a course like this, you save a lot of time, you still get the bibliography, you get the shortened version, you get all of the different elements from plenty of different sources, all pieced together, so it's meant to be a huge time saver. Um, and, yeah, a time saver, you bounce ideas, you get exercises, uh, and you can work it out, and you've got, you've got a sounding board. So, for some people, I just say, you know, listen to XY podcast. It's going to take you hours, and you'll learn different things. Uh, for some people, it's not, it's not right, because all they really need is to keep whatever they do as a hobby. But then it's also about understanding, should it be a hobby, and how do you learn it? And for some, it's also just, it's interesting to have the tools with which to think, let's imagine that I had to branch out, what would I do? And is there anything I can do today? Because at the end of the day, if you can earn an extra $500,000, I keep on using dollars, it's more international, $500,000 a month, it adds up, you know, $1,000 a month doesn't seem like that much, but it's 12000 a year. Over 10 years, it's $120,000. Um, that's not bad. Even $500 over 10 years, that's $60,000. Many places, you can, you can buy a house with that. You can travel the world for a long time with that kind of money. And if it's something you enjoy doing, why not? It's a great way to test the waters. Uh, it can feel awkward to, to ask friends and family to pay for it. There's a reason why paying is nice. There are different ways of paying. One way is exchanging. I offer you something, invite me for dinner. But it'd be a bit weird if you had a, a sibling who was a dentist. I mean, if it's sibling, it's a bit different. But if you, if you know someone who's a dentist and you ask them to, to, to check your teeth or clean your teeth or do something that's... If it's small enough, it's fine. If it's bigger, then it's complicated to ask, the, the, to ask that person. Um, in this book I mentioned, they, they take an example of asking your neighbor to help you move is fine, but if you're paying some, moving, some movers and you're not paying the neighbor, then it feels like you're exploiting them. And this is something to really bear in mind. There are different ways to, to deal with this, by the way. One way is saying, I'll happily help you, and I'd like you to give me honest feedback afterwards. And if you found it was helpful, I'd like you to think of one person that you recommend my services to. doesn't cost them anything. If they really found it helpful and they want to help this other person, then they would recommend your services because it would be helpful for this person. And if they didn't do it, they'd be depriving this person of your services, which would not be fair for this person. So there are different, different ways to do it, to test the waters and, and, and set it up without getting too much pressure. Uh, and then if you decide to make the leap, it's, of course, optimal to have enough savings so you don't have the pressure, and that you're running your business like a premium business. Premium is always more interesting. That doesn't need money. Because if you don't need money, you're willing to turn people away if they're the wrong people. The wrong people either, well, they don't need your services, or they're too time-consuming, or they're annoying, or they're always haggling on price. And then if you, if you we'll see when I, when I do the workshop... If you join and you've got people who haggle with price, I'll give you some tips of how to manage them. I mean, other than getting rid of them. Uh, how to manage them, convert them into, into, into clients. But I think one of the, the really important things is when you, when you talk with a client and a prospect, how do you qualify them? And qualifying is, when it's badly done, it's just about hoping. 
It's hoping that if I ask the right questions, the person will like me. Uh, the way to really do it is just to figure out all of the reasons why they wouldn't hire you and just address it. Um, a case in point with my, with my workshop. Um, so it's two half days. How do you know it's going to be relevant? Well, in principle, I've done a few lives now. So you see how I, how I think. You see if what I talk about is relatable and understandable. Uh, my goal, of course, is that it's down-to-earth, hands-on, understandable, and language people get. That everything is implementable, and it's all of the basics I believe somebody needs to run a business, start a business, make the right decisions, uh, and the rest then is negligible when it comes to especially to selling services. Uh, I'm just thinking now, if you want to be opening a cafe, a significant part of it would be relevant. So I'm just thinking where, where it would not be relevant. When it comes to, if you want to manage your career being employed, there, there's some elements would be very helpful. It's mainly if you want to go out and earn money on your own and change the mindset because being employed, there's a different mindset, different politics you have to manage. Um, reasons not to do it, you think that six hours is too much. You think that you can figure it out on your own. You want to save, you think that six hours is too much or you, you enjoy doing the research on your own. You think that the investment is too high. Um, so for the investment, it's 1,200 dirham for the entire day. If you buy the morning first, that's 600, and then you choose to do, so you, the first day is 600, and then you can choose to do the second day, then it's another 600. If you buy both half days in one go, then it's 900 instead of 1,200, so you're saving 300 dirham. And then if you decide to do more of my workshops, uh, then it gets cheaper as you go along. I don't remember exactly the price, but we made it so that the, there's always a discount. And then if you decide to do all four workshops, then it's even cheaper, uh, even a small investment, because it's, uh, you're, you're making a leap of faith with more uncertainty, and you're reducing my uncertainty and taking up space. So it's, uh, it's a reflection of the added value. And I prefer to I'd prefer to have a small number of people doing all of the workshops, and we work together as a group. I think that would be, that would be a lot of fun. I think we'd we'd be able to get really, really far with, with all of the content that way. Um, so I'd like to incentivize, incentivize that. But let, let, let's look at it this way. If you think that 900 dirham is too much or is a lot of money, I'd say, you know, it might be true. I'd say the way to figure out if it's a good investment is, first of all, will it be possible to recoup the investment by selling more services, better services, changing prices, not losing a client. So if you have or, or retaining clients better or getting referrals, if one client of yours can refer another client, will that be any better? If one client of yours, instead of buying one session, buys the optimal amount of sessions, which might be five or 10 sessions. Will that help you recoup the investment? Um, you know, how many, how many sessions would you have to sell to recoup the investment? Now I'm guessing if, uh, sorry, I'm guessing if we're looking at 900 dirham, probably for most of you, selling two sessions would recoup the investment. So that's two sessions over the course of a lifetime. Let's say, let's say a year. If it's likely, if it increases your likelihood to sell two sessions, then it ought to be a no-brainer, which has made me think that my pricing is really low. Um, it ought to be significantly higher. Generally, in business, we... Um, yeah, in business, we'd say that the value of something is roughly 20% of the added value you give someone else. There are two ways of doing it. So like if I can help you earn $100,000, getting $20,000 commission isn't really shocking. It's 20%. This has been 
throughout history, 20% seems fair. You take the risk, but I take the commission. Uh, in, in private equity, actually, they'd say that the value of something is how much money it will bring in over three to five years. So if you have a client who comes back again and again and then produces more referrals, that's, that's one way to calculate the value. There's a different ways just for you to figure out if it's, if it's valuable. Then there's the gain of time. You probably can learn most of this elsewhere, but you have to know where to go. Reading takes time. Digesting it takes time. And if you wanted to do the courses that I did to get this knowledge, it would be significantly more expensive. Uh, more business courses, and here we're doing it in just B, and it's a crisis, and so on. But these are ways; these are ways to assess it. If you have cash flow issues, and you don't have the cash, and you are really stuck with no savings, no cash flow, uh, no additional expenditure that is more of a priority, such as Netflix or alcohol, uh, because I'd say like. You know, if I give you a discount, there's one way to, to handle discount questions. If you ask me for a discount, but you're spending that money on alcohol, why would I subsidize your alcohol consumption? Or why would I subsidize a Netflix consumption? That simply means it's not a priority. Uh, this is actually one of the big mindset shifts I saw, was when we shift from going from a, uh, an employee mindset, which is being afraid of spending, because we don't know where money is coming from, to more of an owner mindset, which is investing and thinking. I, and it happened to me. I, I, I bought, I joined um, a very interesting course about branding, and I'll take a few of the elements out of that course. And that cost me $1,000. And it was, I'm like, wow, that's a lot of money. But how much am I going to learn that's going to be invaluable, that's going to help me earn money faster? That was the investment. Uh, I did another course that was also about was a thousand pounds one day course about selling and here I'm also going to take out those elements and lo and behold that landed me a contract that was 10 times that amount using the tools so of course I can't guarantee this is going to work but I guarantee the tools will be helpful will be empowering will give you more more hands-on grasp and again most of what happens in the world is not that complicated it's not even that complex it's simply we don't use the right tools to understand it. To understand that, to understand ourselves, that's why it's so confusing. And, and so much, actually, of uh, the literature and the industry is people trying to explain something that's really simple in ways that make them seem smarter than they are by making everything sound really complicated. Now, you must have seen it time and time again. I've seen it all the time. You have somebody explaining something, you go like, if you're explaining it that way, it sounds like you don't really understand what you're talking about, or you're just trying to make it unnecessarily complicated. Um, and you, you know, it happens, you know. Again, like when people talk about uh, talk about branding, you know, branding is whatever. Branding is what people think of you, what comes to mind when they think of you. That's what the brand is. Simple as that. It has a lot of implications. But usually, when people talk around in in in, in two complex ways, it's not particularly clear. Which makes me think I shouldn't be too talking around things too much when I'm when I'm talking about this. So, uh, yeah, objections. Let me see. It's not being available. We can have recordings that can be made available. Uh, I think the main objection is thinking that you don't like my style and that you don't want to sit through six hours of me talking because you don't think I'm relevant or I'm precise enough or it's not your cup of tea. Or, you know, actually, probably the best thing is you know it already. And one of the best reasons to not come is you have enough cash flow. You have enough cash flow. You're sure that it's working out with your clients. Um, if everything is working out well enough for you, don't come. That would be a waste of your money. Uh, you know, if, if things are working out, you don't need more. This is actually one of the, the, big, the big issues that people get is getting addicted to more knowledge, thinking this is also hope. If only I do one more course, everything will work out. Like generally, it's not the case. Most of the time, we have sufficient knowledge, but then there are things blocking us with it. Uh, you know, another course on social media is not going to be changing your fortunes. I'm pretty sure about that. 
I use a different model. I'll, I'll run you through the model very quickly about this so you, so you understand it. In this case, my goal is, you know, remove all of the confusion so that people can really use what they know and put it in ways that make sense to them. That's why I'm saying if you're frustrated with your cash flow, this is going to help. If you're uncertain of what to do or what to change or you're confused or worried when you think about business plans and business models and you're not energized, this will be energizing you. That's the whole point is that it's hands-on and really applicable. Uh, yeah, very quickly about social media, why I don't believe it's helpful. It's because most businesses I know of don't gain clients through social media. If they have no social media presence or it's a bad social media presence, they'll lose clients. But it's very unlikely that they gain them through social media. It's possible. But it requires a huge amount of investment and effort. And there's no causality between the two. Now you can think, well, I'll put it to you this way. Whatever you're doing, think of how much work you'd have to put in social media to gain 20 clients. And then think of the value of these 20 clients. I'd have to qualify them and how much money they'll actually, they'll actually bring to you. And now think, if you use word of mouth, people who have used your services in the past and you ask them to recommend your services, how much effort would it take for you to gain 20 clients? And what would be the value of those clients? This is roughly why I'd say social media is, it requires a minimum beyond that. It's a nice to have, provided it doesn't make you lose clients. Um, but word of mouth, people knowing about you has got a much higher success rate than even cold calling. People hate it. They hate it, but it's, it's, it's easy. When you know what to do, it's easy to do, especially when we take a step back and we don't view ourselves as being the product anymore. And we don't think about ourselves and rejection. And we think about instead the other person. And can we help the other person? So, um, yeah, if, if this is the case that you're frustrated with the cash flow, you want to figure out, is your business, can your business be sustainable or not? And you really want an honest answer. If you want to know how to assess can be sustainable or not, and you want to feel in control to make um, a basic business plan, whether with services, it's not really that relevant. Uh, especially because usually with services, you're not targeting thousands of people. You might be, generally, generally you're not. And also because in the days of internet for selling services, especially over over the web, um, but uh, well, it depends on what we're doing, yeah, we'll see. But in the days of the internet, you can you have a reach of enough people that it should be feasible to earn some kind of living. You know, if... If you're charging $10 a month for whatever it might be, and you're getting 1,000 people paying you, that's $10,000. That's really decent money. And if you're doing anything of value, you ought to be able to, to offer something that's worth $10 a month. Um, figure, figuring out how to do it and how to package it is something different. But knowing that it's feasible and possible and working on it is something, is something, something else. Uh, yeah, so if that's relevant then it would be great to have you join us on Wednesday. If you can think of anyone for whom it would be relevant, please pass on the, the word and check with Just Be because this recording will be made available for people who were not able to attend. Um, we'll see with Just Be where exactly where we put it. But if you contact us then, or contact Just Be, then people will be able to watch this recording. Uh, yeah, so that's one of the things. If you can think of one person for whom this would be beneficial, by all means, let them let them know. If you have any questions, I'll take some questions now. You can type them down. You can turn on your microphone if you like. Um, you're very welcome. And, oh yeah, before you go, what would you say was the most relevant or the most helpful idea that I shared with you? That's always it's always fun to to get feedback and get um, 
and see what's helpful for people. It's always, I'm, sometimes I'm really surprised. Let's go, oh. Okay. That's absolutely fine. Um, if you, if you like, because, because we're here, we can either have a little bit of a one-on-one, -on -one, uh, either by chat, and I can comment on it, or I can stop the recording and we can have a conversation. If you'd like that, I'm happy to do that. But I'll let you tell me what the most significant one was first. Yeah, exactly. Idea of creating a job that others need or a service that others need. We forget it so much. Yeah, rather than what we want to do as individuals. There's so many things we want to do and we think if I do it and then if I do it well enough, then maybe enough people will like it and everything's going to be fine. The stuff we want to do as individuals, it can be a hobby. There's nothing wrong with it being a hobby. Really, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, monetizing it is something totally different. And if, if there is value, then by all means monetize it. But there's a certain level beyond which it becomes weird to monetize. Uh, and it just doesn't feel right. I bought the other day a course about, um, what is it, breaking it on, on, on Twitter. And I read through it, and it's like, this stuff is stuff I find for free. Uh, luckily, the people are really honest. They just paid me back. I said, I'm sorry, it's not relevant. It's stuff I already know. Um, nothing wrong with offering for paid amount things you can find for free, but it's stuff I knew. If, it was, if I was starting out, I'd have saved time reading it and doing this course. In this case, it just wasn't relevant. Yeah, and it's about figuring out, is it a value? If it's a value for the other person, then... Actually, if it is a value for the other person, or for some people, then if someone is interested, we can simply have a conversation thinking, I need to make sure this is valuable to you. How do I know it's valuable? Like I had, I had someone come to me and say, I need help to solve my marital problems. And one of the first questions was, what do you want? You want to stay married or you want a divorce? She was going, well, I don't know. It's like, well, I can help you either way. But until we know what you want, um, it's going to be complicated. Like, if I, if I help communication, if I can press a button and you communicate well with your husband, do you want me to press that button? She goes, nope. Okay. And if I press the button and you're divorced, do you want me to press the button? She goes, nope. Okay. Do you want me to help you figure it out? And she's like, yeah, we'll do that. Okay. So, yeah, it's really important. What I'm doing, is it valuable to people? And how do I know it's valuable? And if it's not valuable... Am I willing to walk away? I'm willing to walk away provided I don't need the money. If I need the money, I'm desperate. And that's exactly, I mean, you, you, you've seen it time and time again. People, single people go out in the evening. And some people just want to have a good time with, um, with their friends. And if they meet someone nice, it's nice. And some people absolutely, desperately want to go back home, not alone. And we know who are the most attractive people and who are the people who seem the most desperate. Being desperate is not a good place to be in. It's not good mentally. It's a lack of self-respect. It's not, it's not seductive for others. Um, it's not a good sign. It's a symptom of something bad going on. And when I, when I, it's, it's so funny when I see, sometimes I observe it. I observe people having sales conversations, but they don't want to be selling. They don't, they, they don't want to be, they're so afraid of being pushy that they turn away people. And it's, you know, and they turn away people. They actually need the money. The people need the service and they're not getting it. I'm like, that's just, that's a shame. That's like really a shame. And then I ask them, why didn't you do X, Y, Z? Oh, but I don't know. Ask questions. Ask questions. Uh, and here, yeah, we're raised to do what we are good at and like. Yeah, that's not necessarily what leads to a sustainable business. Yeah. And we're raised also often to try to please people. And do what, do what we're good at, sometimes thinking, if I'm good at something, I will be liked, I will receive love, therefore that's a nice thing to do. Uh, and then also thinking, this is a big, big mistake actually, it's a big lie, that, big, big, big lie we've been sold, which is, I should have touched upon this actually, I'll do it now. You know the difference between a job and a career? 
This is a huge thing. It's not popular, but it feels so true, and nobody's been able to to counter argue with this. Um, the job is something that we do to earn money because we need to earn money, and the career is something that we do to earn money. But if we didn't need to earn money, we'd do it anyway because we love it so much. So the vast majority of people have a job. Most people don't have a career. And there's nothing wrong with having a job. Having a job that we enjoy, that pays well, with nice colleagues, that is stimulating, and that is fun, is a good job. It's just a good job. A job that doesn't pay well is a badly paid job. A job that's boring is a boring job. Jobs could be absolutely, you know, or all, you know, all of those things. They don't have to be life fulfilling. They don't have to resonate with our with our mission on Earth. There's nothing wrong with it. But a job is usually getting paid for 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 work for someone else, and it's fine. We can spend all of our spare time working with the things that really motivate us. Nothing prevents us from doing it. The big lie has been to say that jobs are careers because they're well paid. Because when we say that to someone, you have a career being, um, I'd, let me see, being a, a, a trader, a commodities trader. So sitting behind a screen all day making money. You know, that, that, that's a career. When we tell that to someone, they're more willing to work crazy hours but of course, they're also getting paid for it. But if they weren't getting paid, nobody wants to sit behind a screen all day trading. Or they'd be doing some kind of video game. They get bored of it at one point and go to sit on a beach and, and see human beings. Or they're a little bit, uh, they, they, they love the screens a bit too much. Um, so this is really important is separating the two. Now, if you can combine the two, it's amazing. It's fantastic. Uh, and that's where it gets really fun. That's where if it's possible to do it, then by all means do it. But it isn't because we love it that we should be managing it in a way where it's not sustainable if it could be sustainable. Maybe it can't be. Really, maybe it can't be. Like, regardless of where you are, if you love doing Thai massage, you're in competition with a whole bunch of Thai people who do massage really well and they look the part and they don't earn very much money for a whole bunch of reasons. So, Possibly that's not the number one thing to do. The main thing, and this, oh yeah, here's another, another idea. It's like when you're in an airplane and they tell you about the oxygen masks dropping down, saying if there's oxygen failure, masks drop down, what did they say? They say, put on your own mask before helping others. So why? Why is that? For a few reasons. First of all, if you try to help others without your own mask on, then you're preventing them from taking care of themselves. You're assuming that they need help. They don't necessarily need help. But especially you're running the risk of other people having to take care of you. You're a dead weight. You don't want to be a dead weight. In an airplane where everything is crashing, everyone takes care of themselves. And then if someone needs help, then by all means help them. But to be wanting to help other people whilst endangering ourselves is not helpful at all. So it's our responsibility insofar as possible to be making sure that what we're doing is actually sustainable so that we don't need outside help and we can help as many people as possible. If what we're doing is valuable, then it's just a matter of figuring out the puzzle. And there are not that many components. The issue we have is sitting down and thinking about it because we're afraid that maybe it won't work out and we don't have the tools. And creating the tools can be tricky. Um, the advantage here is... I like reading about it. I like creating tools. One of the tools I'll, I'll be using, which is figuring out a few niches we can get into so we know sort of where to start and where to market, something I created for myself. I made this big table and compared a whole bunch of things. I came to a few conclusions like, okay, now, now I know where to put my effort because I could have been doing dozens, dozens of different things. It's like, well, actually, this is clear. Down to earth. Um, and yeah, it should be sustainable. Anything we do should be sustainable. Um, take care of itself. If there's not enough cash flow, it's not sustainable. It's requiring loans from ourselves 
and it's requiring us suffering in order to keep it alive. That's not sustainable. There's no reason why. Or we decide that it cannot be sustainable because it's not relevant enough and we're okay with it. In that case, fine. Maybe if your cash flow is too low, you add 100% of your capacity and it can't get any better. If that's the case, would you rather know or not know? If you know, you can decide, yeah, you know, okay, that's fine. I live with it. Or I'll do something. Or maybe the thing to do is be awake in the spare time. I don't know. Or find a second activity. It's one of the advantages of, uh, of this is if there are multiple things you can do, and most of us can do multiple things, and each of them can be roughly sustainable, you know, earning $3,000 from one activity isn't much, but if you've got three or four of them, that's, you know, nine to $12,000. That's good money. Why not? And then you can sort of, um, and then you can sort of remove the ones that take too much time that are not efficient enough. And that's the, the business owner mentality. But it's just making sure that what you're doing is sustainable and helping the right people. That's finding the balance. This is feasible. I haven't really seen it taught that much, um, but of course, it's it's a bit like a recipe. When you've got your own recipe, you see other people cook it differently. You go. I don't know why you do it that way, but this is the way I do it and it works for me. So there we go. If you have any, so thank you very much for joining. Uh, thank you for your, for your contributions. If you like, like I mentioned before, I can stop the recording and we can have a one-on-one -on -one where you can ask me some questions. Um, or if you'd just like to, you know, because we're online, you can also just pick my brains for a little bit. If there, you can ask questions about the, the workshop. We can also talk about a few situations you're going through and see if there are any quick wins that I can help you with. Um, be happy to do that. So if so, you can shoot me a message. Um, I think what I'll do anyway, I'll stop the recording. So for everyone who was watching, thank you very much for watching in the future. Thank you, future youth. Um, you can contact Just Be to, to get more, more information or to sign up. Uh, my website is reberson.com, where I talk mainly about Cosmo Energy and healing. And these are other workshops. And uh, actually, I should do, I should do um, something about the, these workshops. I'll, I'll do that. Uh, but yeah, find me on reberson.com and find me on Instagram. That's fribersson. Same on Facebook, fribersson with two S's. Um, and contact just be for more information. Okay, so now I'm going to stop the recording. Thank you very much, and we'll have a chat. Now.